Roseanne Medati, I just heard this amazing story of a woman who was a pediatrician. I kind of want to have her on the podcast, so maybe we'll have her on. (laughs) But she quit her practice because as she was working with parents of children, she realized she really had a passion for helping moms of teenagers. She quit her job to dedicate her entire life to helping other moms with teens. And I think it's fascinating because the more and more I work with visionary women, I've found that a lot of times we think that we have to have this big vision, this big purpose, and then try to map out our lives from there. And what I'm finding is that sometimes your purpose comes after the plan. And sometimes your vision comes after you've already started doing something. So I'm curious with each of you is how have you found your purpose? I think I'm still kind of morphing my purpose. And I think that's what it makes it actually exciting for me. I know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, but also I love this space of curiosity in which I'm in. I'm trying also to figure out, okay, so what's going to be next, right? But I think for me, it was very, very clear early on as to what I wanted to do. So I always had like, okay, I know I want to help others move forward. I know I want to be in a business, whatever that business was at the time when I was thinking about it, where I can actually enable others to be better. So I was very clear early on, and I did law in school uh, many moons ago, But at the same time, as I was doing law, I was making sure that I I was going to get my teaching certification. And I even taught in a high school when I was like in my early 20s to get the teaching certification because I always had the plan of if it's not one way in corporate, it's going to be as a teacher. I had no idea. No, you didn't know that. Mm. And so, so I always had like, okay, I know I have my plans. So I had kind of plans, but ultimately without knowing what was going to be becoming or gaining the craft that I think I've gained over the years as to accelerate businesses and organizations and more especially accelerate women's development, right? And that was really early on. I didn't know the form that it was going to take. Like I know for a fact that part of that purpose that I started to create earlier was going to end up being very specific about really being in the business of advancing women, right? So I think that's what I like about this. I like about the fact that you don't have to wait to have it all figured it out. So I think you just have to get on the journey, you know, and put one, one foot in front of the other and then just keep your eyes open and your ears and your heart and your whole self for possibility that will come your way. I didn't know what my purpose was until last year. However, one of the things I started realizing is that I really enjoyed sticking up for other people, giving a voice for other people when they couldn't, that I really loved empowering others and helping them find their talents and their gifts. And even as I look back with my friends in high school, they're like, you always were Mm -hmm. giving us a voice or empowering us to do things that we didn't even think we could do, inspiring them, right? I didn't know that was my purpose. And when we started this podcast, it just made me open my eyes. This is something that I truly love and I believe that I can do. 
I actually started my dissertation writing about how can we empower corporate America and men to empower women. And in the middle of the dissertation, I had to call back my chair and tell her, that is not what I need to be writing about. I need to be writing about how can women empower themselves with the gifts that they already possess. So to me, I changed the whole thing halfway through because I felt that my purpose is to help them see what they already have. You could get empowered all you want, but if you don't see that in yourself, your purpose will not come to life. That's so cool. I totally see how all three of us are like, we're so aligned. <laughs> I mean, obviously we're here. <laughs> but one of my first businesses, quote unquote businesses, I think I had three clients total. It was called Closet Coaching. And I would go to women's <laughs> closets and find their clothes and help them make new outfits with what they already had. And it was all about like finding what's already there and making it better. And that's what I do with executive coaching. That's what we do, highlighting women at Color Forward. And it's just interesting how maybe some of those little strands of ideas can kind of start to weave into something bigger as you just do life. And it just comes. You don't have to have it figured out from the beginning. Yeah, I believe that once you understand it, once you see it, it's as clear as a sunny day. It's, just, it's almost it's like it's as clear as the sky is blue right now. That is how clear it becomes. And, and there is no confusion. So I would say if people haven't found that, go after what you love. Go after what you enjoy doing. But take the chance until it finally clicks. And it's almost like a veil just is removed from your eyes and you can finally see your purpose. What I love about this is we need to believe more on ourselves and trust ourselves a bit more and also trust that we can make things happen that you can actually make those dreams become reality and you just have to dream it and then go after it and sometimes you know the dream takes a little longer but that's okay because that's why you, you know we're always in the process of inquiry and discovery and I think that's what makes things fun just being in that state and Things will get realized, but just trusting yourself that you can make it happen is maybe part of that secret sauce, Alisa. Speaking of secret sauce, we have an amazing guest today. She has mastered her own story, mastered owning her background and leveraging it. I'm not even going to share her title right now because when we talk to her, she gave us all of these answers for who she is, and she said, you know what, I don't really like to box myself in. My name is Vanessa Santos. I'm a proud daughter of two immigrant parents, my father from the Dominican Republic and my mother from Ecuador. And I like to say that I'm a multi-passionate because I do wear multiple hats. I'm a daughter and a sister and a friend and a wife first, right? Because more than anything, family is the most important. Next to that, I am an entrepreneur. I have a record label. I also have my startup advisory and consultancy. And I'm also a product and strategy executive at MasterCard. I love the strategy she shared with us on rule breaking and finding your purpose, finding your secret sauce. So we're going to be talking about that today. And ladies, I have some secret sauce questions to ask you. So be ready. 
I try not to identify myself with titles too much because at the end of the day, I find that you are who you surround yourself with and what you can contribute. I am more than the title that society thinks I should be, and I'm a whole person that has a lot more to give than just what the title says on my LinkedIn bio. A couple years ago, I created a new title for myself. I started calling myself a vision producer because I love taking big visions and producing them. But about a year into it, I found myself getting a little bit confused because I'm more than this title that I gave myself. And I started limiting what I was doing with something that I created. And I just think it's funny how we can box ourselves in without any external factors. And I'm wondering, when you think about your titles, whether it's employee or boss or podcaster or mom, do you ever box yourself in? I think we all box ourselves in. It's the comfortable thing to do. It really is. Because then it's an easier narrative about who you are or who somebody else is. And it's easy to comprehend and it's easy to stay within. The most challenging is when you get yourself out of that box and then you have to really build and really build yourself and really talk about who you want to be. Years ago, I worked with a transformational leadership coach. This is when I first learned about this subject. And specifically, one of the things that it was great about this coach, this woman, was how she would challenge you to see yourself into the future and using that vision to describe who you are today outside the confines of what your work title might say. But then we tend to really fall again into what I call, this is my situational being, right? It's easier to say I'm a mom or I'm a wife or I'm a podcaster. What this transformational leadership coach would say, yeah, that's all good, but either you're bound by your title or you're bound by your situation. And is that what you want to do? And is that who you want to be? And the only way you'll come out of that dichotomy is by thinking beyond today and seeing yourself into the future and the future self that you want to create for yourself and start talking from that perspective. That's hard. (laughs) Whoa. I mean, okay, can you say it again? Because I think that's really amazing. You either see yourself... You articulate who you are, either based on your title or based on your situation. Because those are easy things to do. The transformative way of articulating who you are is actually talking already about who that Alisa of the future is going to be and bring it to the present. It's such a small thing to do, but you're also starting to educate others to see you in that way. That is very, very powerful. No, I love that. And for me... I've boxed myself around the situations Hmm. and not being able to see myself exactly what you said, Rosa, not being able to see the future. Whereas others have had to step in like my husband and say, well, why don't you see yourself there? Because I boxed myself as this executive who couldn't do anything else in their private life or have kids or do anything else because this is how I box myself. And so I boxed myself in such a negative way because of the environment. I wasn't looking at it in a transformational, positive way. So I think it's really powerful to ask yourself, how are you boxing yourself in? Maybe not the title, but the situation. Yeah. Because... 
that held me back for a while. And now that I realize that I don't have to box myself because I'm the one that determines my future, I'm able to do so much more. What you're saying is you are the one who makes the context and the situation. So once you start realizing that that is the reality, it's only then when you can start thinking about what's possible and start talking about yourself in that possibility. Unless you do that and then you realize that you're a product of the context that you're creating for yourself, it's going to be very challenging for you to create that vision. And I love what you said about when we do give ourselves our own title and we box ourselves in, it's because that's what's comfortable. Because even though it's a good thing to explore the future and who you want to be, it's scary out there. Mm-hmm. Putting your own identity at risk for the sake of transformation, it is not comfortable. For me, the way that I interpret that is what was my secret sauce? But I arrived at that after much self-reflection because for a long time, I did not feel worthy enough. I did not feel good enough. I somehow felt that, you know, maybe these mentors or these people feel pity for me and they want to help me. And I, I, it was such an internal struggle, but it wasn't until I began to be recognized for my work. It wasn't until I began to win national and global awards that I was like, okay, hold on, girl. <laughs> Like you need to stop putting yourself down. And I always found myself in positions where I was mentoring a lot of women and I'm giving them this advice of owning who you are, figuring out what your secret sauce is. So that's your differentiator. And then I looked at myself in the mirror one day. I was like, how am I not taking my own advice? Sometimes you can't look at the future unless you can look at your current situation and understand your story today. And sometimes your story is more than what you realize. I started my first hustle selling pens. My family needed help financially, but I was only 13. I went to summer camp and I had this camp counselor that had these pens and they were cute, but he was gonna throw them out. And I said, no dude, I'll take them. And then I started selling them for three bucks each. I don't know who buys a pen for $3 back then, but they bought them for me. And that sort of became my like, okay, there's money to be made in this world. When you have really humble beginnings, you're forced to be imaginative and creative. So I had a lot of fake enterprises. I would play with Monopoly money. I would go to the bank with my mom when she needed me to translate. I would just steal all these bank papers that you get, the little slips, and I would use that as currency. I mean, it it, it was insane. She realized that she had a secret sauce that she was ashamed of previously. She didn't go to an Ivy League. She came from the Bronx. She came from a family of immigrants. And she thought that's what she needed to hide in her identity. But as soon as she started embracing it, she realized, oh, I have something that nobody else here does. I bounced around different retail organizations until I made it to the corporate ranks and pretty much crawled my way through because spaces weren't available to me, especially when you consider certain corporate environments really put emphasis on pedigree. They really care about where you went to school, your associations. And I grew up in Washington Heights and then from the Bronx. I tell people I'm from the Bronx, they give me this very shocked look because they're like, well, but you look white. I'm a white Dina. Calm down. Latinas come in very different colors, shapes, and sizes. Another thing that my mom taught me, and I'm so appreciative of this, is, Miha, you won't have the pedigree that they have, but that's okay because that's important to only a small amount of people. What people can't take away from you is your work ethic. And if you outwork them, no one can deny that from you. And so for me, it became... I'm going to prove them wrong that this girl from low income that was once on welfare, whose family was once homeless, 
can be in these environments. And then I wore the fact that I was from Bronx and went to a community college with pride. And it became my mission to surround myself and be in environments where there weren't other women that looked like me. There weren't women with my background. And I thought, well, I'm going to break these doors. I'm going to find a space for myself and I'm going to make myself be heard. She continues to leverage it today. It helps other women find out their secret sauce and find their story. A lot of what I do with the women that I mentor and that I coach is find out what makes you you. And if it's weird and if it's niche or if it's not niche, that's okay. Understand it so that you know it, you are a subject matter expert, and then make yourself heard and raise your voice. A lot of times, you know, the immigrant mentality is, you know, calladita te ves más bonita, like lower your voice, don't speak up too much, just be prim and proper, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't speak up for myself. And I realized how much that hindered me and affected me. And if I'm giving advice to women, telling them, hey, speak up for yourself, negotiate your salary. If you see something that's not right and that you have a better idea, say something in a meeting. But that took a lot of self-reflection to get from a point of not feeling worthy or good enough to understanding I have things to flex. And that is the fact that I know how to tell a story. That in itself is a journey to figure out what the heck is my secret sauce. (laughs) So my next question to you, ladies, do you know your secret sauce? I do make a secret sauce every Sunday evening that lasts me (laughs) (laughs) all week long. And I'm not kidding. I'm happy to give you the recipe. But joking aside, you know what I was thinking, and including my real secret sauce that I put in everything single thing that I made. I kind of want your secret sauce recipe. (laughs) Sometimes that secret sauce can actually give you a job. What is it that you have that makes you different? And how can you package it in a way that others are going to want it? And I've spoken to a lot of women, and particularly now, who are taking some leaves of absence because of the situation, right? Where... They kind of took a step back to take care of the kids in this environment. And some are really worried about how they're going to enter into the market again. The way to turn it around, what I'm asking is, what have you been doing through this time that can be that secret source that someone is going to want in a corporate environment? You've been organizing events online. You've been supporting your school district to become more IT savvy. And there's a lot of skill sets there that are your secret source that you need to make sure that you know what they are so then you can actually turn it around. And you won't show as a gap in your resume, but as an opportunity of having gained a lot of experience and expertise that otherwise you didn't have. So this is the same thing with this idea of the secret sauce. For me, my secret sauce today is realizing my identity in Christ. And to me, that makes me a conqueror. It makes me worthy. It makes me beautiful. It makes me loved. And it gives me everything that I need to move forward and take on any challenge that comes my way. And we're going to hear more about that next month when we talk about being prepared for the unexpected because Mirati, you've had a lot of disasters with everything happening in Texas. And so your secret sauce, I know, is what has gotten you through. So I want to switch gears a little bit and go back to Vanessa's story. She is bold with her secret sauce. She helps others figure it out. 
But she still has times where as much of a rule breaker as she is, where she needs permission to break the rules, because there are a lot of challenges that she's had to overcome. And sometimes she just needs permission to keep going. I have this little activity that I do with myself and not many people know about it. I give myself permission slips, permission to be brave, permission to be yourself, permission to ask questions, permission to take up space. A lot of times we feel like we are taking up too much space or we may be ruffling feathers or maybe our question is going to be annoying. When someone sends me a Skype message, sorry to bother you, I have a question. Nope. I stop them and I respond, ask me again. Because when you start that way, they may already be annoyed. Give yourself permission to be who you are. Give yourself permission to ask for that raise. Give yourself permission to negotiate. Give yourself permission to advocate on behalf of yourself because no one is going to do it for you. No one is going to look out for you the way that you're going to look out for you, but you have to give yourself the permission to do so by being brave, by putting yourself out there. And if it doesn't work out, you did it. By not trying though, it's automatically a no. When it comes to breaking the rules, do you feel like you need permission? And then if so, how do you give yourself permission? You know, I grew up in a family that (laughs) always said, ask for permission afterwards, So I relate really well to this. I think I've changed in the way I ask for permission or I give myself permission. Obviously, that's changed with maturity and everything. And it's funny, the more I look at it, I was more of a rebel early on. I guess it was also being naive and having parents who really believed in my potential and that anything was possible. And I think the older that I got is when I think twice about things. Hmm. It's really interesting. I think I look at it more in terms of opportunity, not necessarily permission per se, but opportunity windows. Let's put it that way. So I'm always looking for like, what is the best opportunity window that I have? And then I take it. So I'm quite strategic when I go about doing that, be it at work with my family, my extended family, be it with my friends. I am very purposeful. I'm very strategic with this concept of opportunity windows. And I think the reason why I do this, and maybe with maturity and knowing that I've made so many mistakes as well, when I've just went ahead and like plowing through, then you realize what you're leaving behind and what you're learning from, right? But do you ever get insecure about breaking the rules now? Because it sounds like you're very purposeful. So do you ever break them and then think, oh, no. Do I get insecure? I don't think so. If anything, probably I'm bolder because I'm more confident about what I do and how I do it and who I do it with. I guess I have the privilege also of choosing. And that's a really good place to be. I don't want to waste time. That's what it is. I honestly, I truly believe that the reason why I'm strategic about my moves and my breaking the rules is because I don't want to waste time. I want to do it right. Go ahead and move on. I look at it like this. There are many rules that have been created by individuals or society or even in corporations, cultures, rules that many times I agree with you, we must be strategic about breaking. But here is how I think about it. I am very clear on my values and what goes against my integrity. Yeah. So as long as those two things are not in the way, you can count on me breaking the rules. 
Rules only last, but just for that period of time, because the world is changing so much. Technology has created so much disruption. I mean, look at our amendments, look at everything that's happening culturally in our society. The rules that were once set by our fathers of this country can't apply necessarily to today because things are changing. And so the only way there's going to be progress is by rules being broken. See, I'm aligned a hundred percent with that. And maybe that's my strategy and I'm not, not saying it out loud, but I tell you, I'm going to give you a very specific example with my values, my integrity, who I am and this maturity levels are probably back in the day I would have never done. There is something about respecting the workplace that for me is very important. It's very important. Raising your voice, yelling, <laughs> basics. I actually don't tolerate that. And I know this happens a lot in a lot of work environments and especially in work environments where stress is very high. Sometimes people lose it. Sorry, I don't care. <laughs> right. And for me, it's ever so important that I actually leave rooms. And I do say, if this is how the conversation is going to go, we need to stop here and we'll reconvene. I am very purposeful around that. If we are entering in a conversation, in a relationship to solve something or to create something together, I need to be respected for what I bring to the table. If I am going to be yelled at because it was a horrible idea or the person is in a bad mood or something else has happened, I just don't tolerate it. And I just time out. This world has, what, 8 billion people on it? This planet is so large. Why do we act like there's only one of anything? At my role at MasterCard, I'm very vocal about the women in my organization because I know how much it hurt me by not speaking up. And I also know what it feels like to have a female boss and a female colleague that's just a nightmare. I mean, I once had a boss who threw coffee at me and she made it like, well, you're in fashion, honey. No, like that is not okay behavior, right? The Bronx in me had to calm myself down, but a lot of our environment, corporate environment, conditions women to feel like there's only one of, and it's not. But the only way we're gonna change that is if we stop looking at each other like competition. What happened with me is I would be asked to attend different seminars and do talks and provide keynotes. For every one that I did, there was the same male colleague that also got to do that. But for some reason, there was feedback from certain women to my boss that they felt that I was getting too much attention. I'm here trying to fight the cause. I'm here waving our flag. I'm literally here trying to create avenues for ourselves. I'm not doing this because I want attention. I'm doing it because I actually give a shit. I'm doing it because I know that I'm getting underpaid compared to my male colleagues. I know that we still deserve more. I know that we aren't accepted everywhere. I know that we still have people in this world that see us as less than the other gender. And that's not right. I was asked to step down from two events and let another woman shine. Cool, right? I was gonna take it personal. Cool, I'm gonna let other women shine. But why does it only have to be one woman? Why couldn't both of us do it, right? I have no problem saying, you know what? Join me here. Everyone walks different paths. Everyone has had different beginnings, but everyone's journey is also different. What's meant for me is not necessarily meant for you, but by tearing each other down and leaving hate comments or talking behind each other's back is not gonna get us anywhere. That's why it's still gonna take 100 years for us to eradicate the wage gap. We can cut that in half if we stop the bullshit, honestly.
I truly believe that what she's doing is remarkable and more of us should be doing it. You hear many women preaching about this. As you open the door, bring another woman with you. There is room for all of us, absolutely. But if we're all not doing it, then we're not walking the talk and we cannot expect other people to respect and want to see more than one on the stage. Open your mouth, open that space for another one. Because if you're in the front and center and you're not taking advantage to bring somebody else with you, then we're not going to be able to win this war. And we got to do it together. I don't think the journey ever stops. And I think as women, we have to continue the journey because you have to keep opening the doors, if not for yourself, at least for the person behind you. inspiring stories, please subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a guest you'd love to hear on the show, send us a DM on Instagram at colorforwardpod. I'm Elisa Monjadis, producer of Color Forward. Thanks for joining us and please leave us a review. 